Before we get started, I just want to take a minute to thank the sponsor of this podcast, Town Square Brewing. I really recommend that anyone of age get out and find some of their craft beer and give it a try if you haven't already. There are so many flavors to choose from. I I guarantee you'll find at least one that you completely love. Uh, I know there's a lot of craft beer out there and there are a lot of great ones being made in the city. But I know our listeners are also aware that no one really loves small business and supporting local as much as I do. And I, I can't think of any better way to spend what little money you have added into a recession than on Town Square Beer. Uh, 18 plus, please, please drink responsibly, of course. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. But what I'll start with is, I don't know if you remember this at all, but the first time I was ever, my art was ever like really valued was when you told the art gallery about my photos and then I was hired to take all the Polaroids of guests at the Andy Warhol show. And oh, yeah, be- the uh, refinery party. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Before that, I I just had a blog, and and that was it. I had no idea that you could really be an artist like for pay, or not even like for a lot of pay, just like monetize that in some way, and like begin to make a living off it. Yeah. And I will never not remember that you know oh, so, that's like it's it's awesome that that you did that and that was years ago and i mean not not to say that i talk about the situation every day but it's well, definitely better. always <laughs> it's always in my head and i always tell people it, it's usually if, if anyone like references uh the mural that you and luke did right I always say, like, yeah, I I love that thing, too. And side note, that guy actually kind of got me started in all this, uh, thank you, years later. Dude, that's so cool that you, like, that's really touching. Thank you. Um, It's so funny how, like, these are things that, you know, as someone who just appreciates art and artists, you know, like, I'll always vouch for whoever I think makes good work, if it would suit whatever thing, you know, I'm not like a curator by day or an art director even, but I'm a big fan of just like general networking and I'm always happy to name drop people. And, um, you know, I feel like that, 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 that like happens all the time. Not, not to say like, like it, it's happened for me um, for sure. There's been like weird opportunities that it's like, Hey, if it wasn't for that one time at a party that like I was talking to this person just about art and they found out that I did this thing. And the next thing I know, two months later, they like just referred me and then I got like a paid gig. 
Um, you know, it's like what goes around just sort of comes around. Um, Raymond Biesinger, you know, Raymond Biesinger. Yeah. Uh, so when he used to live in Edmonton, um, and Genevieve and I had just moved here, this would be like 2007 or eight. And I think it was like the first Royal Bison or something. And Genevieve was like, we should go to this thing. There's this cool illustrator, Raymond doing, he has a table there. We were both in this book that we made uh, illustrations for. It was a book about William Shatner. Um, and anyway, met Raymond just like offhand. Genevieve was like, hey, we're both in that book. Cool. And then like two days later, like Raymond just reached out and he's like, hey, like I'm looking for a studio assistant. I hear you're like trying to do like a freelance art thing. It'd be like a couple days a week. And then I did that. And just like, it was so like rando, but then I just ended up, you know, hanging out with Raymond once or twice a week, just like, you know, filling out mailing forms to like ship off prints for him. And then just like, kind of like talk and shop. And then that's how I met like uh, Nicholas Johnson, also known as Smokey around town. It's just like these like little like events that you don't really, you know, I'm sure like Raymond was just like, yeah, whatever. Like I'm just ready to hire this dude for a couple days. But in the same way that I just like dropped your name at the AGA, like, I don't know. It's so, it's cool that like something that I <laughs> didn't really think about as having like such a monumental impact in someone else's life actually did. And that's just like the really fun thing of all this art stuff. But yeah. And how did we meet before that? Was it because of the Royal Bison? Like, I think you were, talking um, some zines there and then that's when i got you to maybe i think i got you I, I asked you to submit some photos to ibs zine and then from there i was just like hey i know a photographer who does like cool stuff so now now i'm i'm trying to think i wonder if if we had even met at that time or like do you know that the ibs scenes were before that refinery oh, because God. maybe maybe yeah. i'm telling this wrong because if i think <laughs> that was my my first paid gig i didn't make any money off zines at world bison either but that would have at least been also money for photos so maybe well, I know for sure that like, and I feel shitty saying this in retrospect, but like we didn't pay any contributors to IBS scene because we were like, Hey, we're only making a hundred copies of this out of our own pocket. We just want some cool content in here. We'll give you some zines to join us. And like, if anything, we made enough money to like recoup our cost and maybe start the next batch of zines. So we weren't out profiteering, but I feel like when the first IBS came out, if I recall, the one where we would have um, hired or reached out for like contributors that might've been before I started at the AGA or like right around the same time. But honestly, man, I think you should go with the cool story that's in your head. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, we probably could fact check all this, but it might be better to just leave it as, yeah. as it's just magic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, lore, uh, art lore about town. I do remember um, like being at the Royal Bison around that time because I have a, a frame print of Raymond's in in the front hallway of my place that I remember trading him for some Noah Fast zines that yeah. I think I 
I know I I didn't sell all my zines and it's weird to think he wouldn't have sold out of his work either but I remember like tr- orchestrating some trade at the end of the day and definitely winning that trade like I have like a full frame print and I think he got a couple zines but I think I think it was his idea could be wrong about that too, but I I'm pretty sure he proposed the trade, and I was so excited. Well, he's a a definite appreciator of the zine, that's for sure. Um, so you know, that would that would check out in my mind for sure. Let me guess: is the print? Is it his camera print? No, it's um. It's like a, a winged creature. Oh, that one, like the griffin sort of. I know which yeah. one you're talking about. That one's badass. Like the cat with wings, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and there, I think there's like a, a splash of teal. I think is like the the accent and color. Yeah. It's great. Like it, it's right there. Anyone who I've had to my place since I moved in has, has loved it. They've yeah. kind of been forced to upon entry, but <laughs> yeah, no, Ray is uh yeah, he's great. Really punchy graphic prints. I love the stuff. Yeah, we have we have a few of his in our flat files here. Um the bike. No, we don't have the bike, or do we have the bike? We had the bike. Do you know what I mean? His bike print? I feel yeah. like it was like a, a classic Edmonton Royal Bison print that was just like a yeah, popular print. Um, now his stuff is crazy. It's like, I feel like he's throwing down so much like color in things that, you know, historically his work was always like really like graphic black and white with like one accent color, but he's, he's yeah. Un- unlocking the color spectrum, which is pretty cool. Yeah. We, uh, we have a, a s- small, but steady discord going for nowhere fast. And one of the most, like one of the discussions in there that probably got the most responses was I forget who started it, but one day someone just put, was like talking about Raymond saying they were a fan and then just like took a photo of one of the prints of his that they had. And then like, I swear like 10 or 20 people like followed soon and so many people had prints of his in their house. It was, it was a very cool thing to witness. Like so many people that are just kind of like friends through this weird message board, all like yeah. just took random like phone photos of prints in their like hallway or bathroom and stuff. It was cool. Yeah. I've, uh, w- when the pandemic started, uh, what Genevieve and I were watching a lot of like nightly news. Like we'd watch like CBC's the national at night at 10 o'clock just to, to get the rounds on what the virus stats are and stuff. And uh, there were a few, like, cause there was always all these like talking heads that they'd bring in like doctors to talk about virus stuff. And there were a couple of times where even then I'd see like Raymond Prince on their, <laughs> on their walls on like the uh, national news. And I was like, dude, you're everywhere. <laughs> like, who doesn't love this stuff? Cool. <laughs> That's funny. I never, I never really thought to stop and like analyze that, but it, you're right. That's an interesting thought when all these reporters and talk shows were doing like home kind of reports or they were like filming themselves on their phone from and all their like they were in their home. 
So they did have art in the background, but I barely paid attention. But I wonder now if he were to go back and look if anyone had anything like cool like that. Oh, no. Most of it was pure shit. There was this one. Oh, my God. It was just saw a lot of trash. Yeah. Mostly just like ah, no disrespect to first year art students out there. But it looked like someone just like discovered that you could like use a palette knife with like color straight out of a tube <laughs> yeah. but you would use like all the colors and just like make a bit weird smushed mess and make it you know just big so that it looks cool because it's a presence in the room and then you know people with no taste are like that's good art <laughs> it's like oh god but you know i think for, for the most part most of it was not too bad but every now and then you would see a printer like damn that's like this doctor's got taste um, you know, they got like Raymond's work in here and then, I don't know, it, it's cool. I wonder like how much, like, I feel like Raymond's work is like Googleable in the sense that you could be like graphic black and white print Canada. Like if you would just search for that, like would yeah. Raymond show up? Because like, I bet you people just saw this like print on TV and be like, I like that style. And then like, they're trying to find a way to make it a, a search query so that they could buy a print. And I wonder if he had like a blip in his sales uh, when the pandemic started. <laughs> I wonder, I'm assuming he doesn't need that much help selling his stuff, but if he was really on it, he could like optimize some SEO. And like, yeah. <laughs> so that like he made sure he was there when people looked for it. For sure. Well, I know that like he is a pretty analytical dude for sure. And like, I, I I wonder, yeah, I wonder if he did keep track of like his web stats to see if there was like a little blip on the radar. Yeah, have you had Raymond on the show yet? On the no, show, this podcast. It's, it's weird funny. It a, a show. I, I was, I, I mean, I have so many people that I would love to talk to, but I try. I used to be. I've gotten better, but I used to kind of like talk about guests that I would like to have. But then as the show got a bit bigger, it always, it didn't, it was too many people. Like I would mention too many people. And then if they didn't end up coming on it, it looked kind of bad on my part. But I will admit that I think Raymond is the most recommended guest out of, out of anyone really. And really? I, I have a, I'm strategic about how I reach out to people. Uh, everyone's a bit different, but to be honest, I was going to wait until your episode is out and then I'm going to reach out to him. <laughs> cool. Cause I was just about to say like, Hey man, we could stop talking about him if it's like a faux pas. Um, no, no, yeah. it's, I mean, there, I, I just, it'll be out before yours. So it's also fine. But I just recorded with Vicky. Mm -hmm. So I, I saw that on the, uh, was it the Patreon oh, page? Yeah. I was lurking and it was just like it had just been announced because I had just listened to Matt's episode. And yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I do put each episode out a week early on the Patreon. Like hers will be out publicly next week. But. Cool. For anyone that subscribes, I guess hers is, is already out. And yeah, I figured maybe between her and you, it might be enough to get him. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, using me as bait. 
there i it's it's always works in my favor i i've done this with so many people like i i want a guest but i know that maybe the past couple might not resonate with them as much like all all the guests are awesome for me at least like i love talking to all of them but i can see how like certain people wouldn't make certain people want to say yes to being on it so i like if i'm gonna ask a certain person and i know someone else is kind of coming up then i'll i'll wait to reach out i see what you mean yeah yeah i i also kind of i mean it's working i guess so there's nothing wrong with it but the way i i just get like berated with advertisements for everything every day so i try I just post a story when there's a new episode and I don't want to like bother people beyond that. So it's weird to reach out and ask someone to come on here when there's no like post and the story's expired and then they have to like dig to find the references <laughs> and like no one wants to do more work than they have to either really read. So I'll, I'll wait probably until the day yours is out and the story is running and then <laughs> that hit that button. <laughs> well, it's such a slog like these days, the like Instagram, like I don't even know. I feel like it's majority ads. Like I don't even see friends that I follow, like their posts. Like I don't see anything on there. It's just like suggested reels and ads and shit. And then I'm like, it just makes me not, turn it on and then when i do i see your message and then i was like oh that's cool and then i just get overwhelmed by instagram then i shut it off and then six weeks go by and i'm like fuck i should get back to wes i was i was really happy when i saw it because like also the way i'm like divulging all my insecurities but when i reach out to someone i i totally understand like people don't want to do i even have like like almost best friends that wouldn't do it just because they don't like the sound of their voice or they don't want to be on record. Like it's not mm-hmm. like they're saying anything bad. They just don't want to have like a full hour of talking on record. So like if I send someone a message and ask them to be on and I don't hear back, I like that's totally fun. And I don't want to like, I'll never check in or, you know, be like, hey, like, did you get this? So I I remembered asking you, like, I'm not saying I forgot, but then I just assumed like, oh, he doesn't want to or whatever. That's cool. But then when I saw that you had messaged me again, I was like excited when I opened it. And then, yeah, I remember telling Sarah, like coming on it's happening and it's funny because (laughs) i had asked you and then uh i guess a few weeks had gone by and i had matt on and and i've known matt for a bit but i i really really liked our talk and then we talked for a while after as well and then uh he was i was explaining to him that i i kind of was trying to lean more into the arts and like visual arts, um, you know, even like music, film, photography, like it can be anything, but I feel like 
I'm interested in that stuff. They perform their best for me. So it just makes sense to kind of like be almost a strictly arts thing. So Matt was like, that's perfect. I have a list of people I can recommend. Like, I don't know if if they'll do it or not, but here's who I think you should ask. And then you were at the top of his list. And then I was like, I, I asked him, I, I, I don't think he wants to. And Matt was like, oh, weird, you should ask him again. It seems like something he might want to do. But I was like, <laughs> nah, I don't want to bother anybody. And like, <laughs> oh, you're too them. nice. <laughs> yeah, no, like Matt's one of our like, our BFFs over here too. Like he's so, he's so sweet and he's so damn funny. But I, I texted him after I listened to the podcast to be like, oh, I really, really enjoyed that. Like it was just good. It was casual. It's like, it's the type of podcast I'm really into right now. It's like, no one's trying to do silly voices to be funny or annoying or like, it's not like a weird serial murder. It's just like a nice casual non-brain grading like conversation which is really nice and matt is just like he's so good at those he's so silly but he anyway i messaged him afterwards to be like hey that was really cool i really enjoyed it and then yeah he was just basically like yeah like i thought i just it sounds like you didn't want to do it and i was like no 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 i just fucking suck at instagram i'm gonna message him right now and then there we go so yeah great stuff matt is awesome yeah, no, he's he's great, and every time I do one of these, I learn a ton about the person I'm talking to, and I I had no idea. I didn't even know, uh, like, as I was saying when I was talking to him, I had no idea that he was, like, a writer. Uh, like, yeah. I thought I was talking to an illustrator and a mailman and whatever else, but I had no idea he had, like, such an extensive career in writing yeah oh he's a really good writer um do you have any of his collections of like uh instant books that are like the boxed collections no each one comes with like 15 or so but they're all so funny and just like so sweet too some of them are like really touching but some are also just like stupidly hilarious just the way he he puts words together and just describes someone that he sees on his mail route anyway the the guy's a I want him to write books so I can yeah. read them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I I was pushing him to do more like long form stuff as well. One of my goals, it's funny, like you would you asked if I had any of his stuff. Now that I'm talking to all these artists and like people who I've kind of admired and like looked up to. And and now I'm kind of like I never spoken to Vicky until last week, and now you know we're not like best friends, but we know each other and, and mm-hmm. other people. So now it's my goal to start collecting art from all these people. I feel like if I can build a a podcast with a bunch of conversations i can also like start building an art collection yeah totally to, man to match so yeah. that's uh maybe i'll ask ask matt if he has i think he, he said he has like a lot of his stuff really meticulously organized in his place so i'm sure he's got something he can part with oh he's got so many fun little doodles floating about um yeah no he he'll have something for you 
I mean, I feel like, do I have something of his somewhere? We must. I can't think of any at this exact moment. I know we have a lot of his like zines for sure, but original drawings, I would, I want one now. Yeah, Matt's, um, yeah. And it like when we were living in Toronto, Matt did a, he, he received a residency to spend time on Toronto Island. There's like a little art residency there. And he was like working away on a, uh, a little graphic novel about, was that one about The Bachelor? Maybe. Uh, but yeah, he was like churning out like comic pages. And like, this was sort of, uh, I mean, for me, like knowing Matt, this was like new to me. I was like, oh man, you're like totally getting into illustration. Like this is super rad. And like, we'd go, we went to the island a couple times to like look at his stuff and I, it was just great. Like they, I don't know. He's a natural creative person. I don't know. Did he, I forget. Was he talking about his bachelor stuff? We don't need to keep talking about Matt, but no, you know, I, I could talk no. about Matt forever. Cause he's the best. <laughs> he, he didn't mention it, but now like, do you mean the like bachelor franchise, like reality TV? Yeah. Stuff? Yeah. That. Yeah, I had no idea, but that yeah. really intriguing. I'm, yeah, he uh, he huge. was really into it, uh, like watching it after work, uh, just because he thought it was really funny. And then yeah, he was like turning it into this like graphic novel. Anyway, it was like hilarious. That's Matt, amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll was... ask him. But yeah, no, I mean Raymond, great, Matt, great. But this is your episode, so. <laughs> If uh, if I can, I'll ask you some questions about yeah, do it. You, um, I didn't know. Like you mentioned earlier, when you moved here, I I always thought that you were like born and raised here. Uh, well, like born in Saskatoon, uh, but like moved to Alberta when I was like two. So b basically, grew up in Grand Prairie. And then, like, from grade one to, like, you know, a couple of years at their college. And then when I um, wrapped up college there, I moved down to Calgary to finish my art degree at ACAD, now the Alberta University of the Arts. And then I graduated there and then moved up here to Edmonton. I was like, hey, you know what? It's fun. Calgary is a great city. I really like Calgary. But part of me was just like, now that I'm done art school here, I just want to, like, remove myself from this place and go somewhere else um it's always nice to like live in a, a different city so yeah we, we moved to edmonton just myself actually and then genevieve and i met shortly after or like we started dating shortly after i moved here um but yeah alberta boy uh you could say through and through like i <laughs> i have like a tattoo of alberta on my arm because it's just like part of my identity like it's just where where i am uh when we moved to Toronto for a few years, that was just because Genevieve uh, got into uh, uh, school at the U of T to finish a master's in architecture. So that was in like 2014 when we moved to Toronto and we were there for like six and a half years. Um, I ended up getting a master's degree there too. Uh, <laughs> I saw her go through the stress of like grad school and I was like, that looks like fun. I'll do it. And then I, uh, I did the same thing, but in computer science, actually. So I got like a master's in computer science. Uh, and then when I graduated, which was like January, 2021, we, you know, because the pandemic was like now in full swing and we were like 
it'd be nice to just like being your friends and family uh, because who knows what this world is turning into. Uh, also, it's like, who can, who can buy a place in Toronto? It's insane. Oh, yeah. And Genevieve and I were like, it would be nice to like have a place to call our own or at least think about that. And Alberta seems like it's at least more, you know, reasonably affordable to do that. But also, you know, we came back here and it's like we had our, like our whole network of friends were still here, like Matt and my good friend Stacy and Sam and and all those fun pals. So it was almost like, like, yeah, it felt like we were coming back home, like quite literally, even though we were gone for like, a, you know, almost seven years, which is crazy to think. But yeah, Alberta. Alberta boy. <laughs> it, well, technically Saskatchewan boy, but really Alberta boy. <laughs> do you, you find it hard, like being the type of artist you are from here? Like, was it uh, Toronto would be a much more receptive audience for even, even Genevieve's like architecture. I assume everything is, is easier or maybe not easier, but, you know, facilitate it more over there. Yeah, it's like like Toronto, you're in a big cultural hub, right? So you just knowing that you're in a city with a lot of really good art around you, that in itself will like light a fire under your butt to like want to, you know, turn up your game somehow. Um, Edmonton was always great. And I felt like, you know, if I have nothing against Edmonton. I'm back here now. Um, but at the time, before we moved away, I wasn't like a full-on freelance illustrator. Uh, I was doing it um, on the side for sure for income, but I was also like, you know, I had worked at the AGA for a bit. And then I worked at uh, Edmonton Digital Arts College teaching illustration there for a couple of years. So it was always like needing a, a bit of a, a job job, if you will, to to pay the bills, even though like I was mostly, I, I would still like say I would identify as like an illustrator, <laughs> uh, but moving to Toronto, uh, like I didn't have a job waiting for me when I got there. And I was like, Hey, this is a great opportunity to just go full steam ahead and like try to like do the full-time freelance illustrator thing. And I think just by being there, it was easier because so many publishers are there. So, you know, it's like, Art directors aren't as worried about like time differences, uh, being across the country, stuff like that. Uh, you know, it's just it, it. You're you're also more aware of what's out there to like, you know, send your portfolio to. Like, you're like, oh hey, I just walked by that publisher or that magazine or that whatever, or you just see other like possible venues that could maybe hire an illustrator. So Toronto was great in that regard. That I just like. I don't know, forced me to turn up my marketing game by sending out postcards for like, you know, a year or so. I would just like send out a, a few badges of postcards a few times a year to, you know, whoever, whichever publishers or magazines I could find. And then it sort of just snowballed into this thing where I was like, hey, I'm making enough money to pay bills in Toronto. I did it. Uh, but then, you know, going back to sort of before you hit record and we were, I was asking you about like your tipping point, uh, like when you, you know, stop the studio life or whatever. Um, I'm probably summing that up wrong right now, but I, I kind of went through the same thing in Toronto. I got to this point where I was just like done with the hustle. 
I was like, I can't this, this as satisfying as it is like at the, you know, at the end of the year to say, wow, I did it. I survived as a freelance illustrator, like the hustle of always marketing or having to feel like I should be marketing myself on top of like never knowing when the next job is going to, you know, roll through the door was like too stressful for me. And then to get to this point where doing the freelance work, I started to realize like, Hey, I actually wouldn't draw what I'm being hired to draw in my spare time. The only reason I'm doing this is because someone's paying me money to do it. And I was like, this just isn't satisfying. Like it got to the point where I wouldn't want to draw for fun when I was done jobs. And it's around that time where I was like, I think I need to like pivot my career and just like dive into some new interests that I like to like stimulate this brain. And then that's kind of where I ended up like applying to grad school to do the computer science thing as left field as that sounds. Uh, like I've always liked poking around on, on computers and, you know, doing that stuff. So now here I am working as an artist, which is great at a video game studio. So now I'm doing like a bit of both, right? I'm doing the art stuff and the computer stuff. And it's super satisfying because I'm like, there's both these like dimensions of my brain are being like stimulated where, you know, if there's a day where I'm not really into uh, drawing, there's other computery <laughs> work I could work on and vice versa. If like, I'm not into like a bit of scripting or programming, then I'll just get back to arting. And it's like, that to me is like, I don't know, very satisfying. And I'm just glad I did it at the ripe age of almost 40. So it's never too late to uh, yeah. to pivot, you know? No, I'm I'm almost 40. So yeah, it was it was late, late for me to pivot, but definitely not too late. I right. I agree with that. And it's it's great to hear that you can kind of like bounce the two things off each other and if you're burnt out on one do some other ones and then get mm -hmm. back to it because yeah. i hear a lot of people who try to kind of make a profession out of like an art like that it kind of it just like kills the drive to do anything beyond what they're like paid to do yeah it's like that that old cheesy saying like you know, whatever you're working on, no matter how much you like it, in the end, it just becomes work. Like, it's just work. Like, you feel like you're just beholden to this thing that has to be done and you're doing it just because you feel like it has to be done, not because you want to do it. Um, and I don't know, like, maybe that's because I was such a yes, like a yes man when I was like a freelance illustrator. Like, I would just say yes to all the jobs because I've felt like they were the last job I might see in a few months. Whereas now, if I were to say quit my job tomorrow um, and like try to do the freelance thing again, well, one, it might be easier because I've got that much more experience under my belt, but I think I might have a bit more confidence to be like substantially more picky with the work that I take on in order right. to like keep that, you know, that zest going. Um, but I mean, that's yeah. a big what if scenario. So who knows? I, uh, that actually would have been my next point. I hear a lot of people say, yeah, when they're freelancing and stuff, they, the smart ones will just take most jobs because that's how you pay your bills. But then it kind of like dilutes the whole thing. Like, as you were saying, so now to at least like 
go forward with the knowledge that if you did have to revert back to that, you could do it a bit differently and maybe not choose all the jobs that kind of like suck your soul out. Yeah. Like not, I mean, not to devalue any of the jobs you took. I mean, we've all probably taken we've jobs all done it. not ideal to us just to pay mm-hmm. bills. I've never been good at uh, like being strict at sticking with a certain style too. Like the really like a good efficient illustrator to me is like someone who could like, you know, they're really good with their time. They know how long it takes them to do a thing. And in order, in order to pull that off, you probably have to be pretty set in like, like a, a style that you work in, not even a style, just like a, a workflow. It maybe that could work for multiple different styles, but I love like doing the same sort of thing over and over. Just like, it starts to just like get so boring to me. Um, like my most successful year in Toronto as a freelance illustrator was like when I, there was, I don't know, I got really into like Tintin, like the comics and just like really clean lines, really flat colors uh, I was like, hey, this is like a fun graphic way to draw. It's also pretty fast way to draw. I was like, I should like lean into this. And then it it worked. I was like getting, I was pretty, it was like one of my busiest years ever. But a year later, I was just like, almost like waking up crying with stress because I was just like, I'm not satisfied. Like, I'm just not happy doing this work. Um, even though like, yes, I was technically like doing fine. Like it just wasn't mentally my jam so i don't know do you do you find like if you can gauge it this way were you actually doing a lot less of your own like was it maybe not like depressing you but was it like weighing on your own like hobbyist output and like do you see creating more art like kind of on the side now that you're like happy again with your like work situation i still don't yeah like i don't know i think young josh uh felt like he was being a like in a, a i don't know what am i trying to say like in my earlier illustration days like i felt very satisfied if in my spare time i'd be drawing or painting or making prints that were just for me you know maybe i'd sell them at the royal bison but like there was no like goal, no money goal, but it was just like a very satisfying output. Right. Then, you know, you do the, your day job drawings. And then anyway, it just becomes a lot to manage. Nowadays, like it's not so much that I'm drawing in my spare time, but I'm like, like, <laughs> like coding in my spare time where I'm like, not just like coding scripts for whatever, but like, I like to make or try to make little mini games or like make uh, procedurally generated art, like just like nice colors and patterns that are like, randomly generated um it's just like a, a new way for me to find work and like these are satisfying to me because like i'm doing this like problem solving in my head like it, there's like a technical challenge to it um but like it, there's no goal beyond just like trying to figure out a thing and then the result is like a, a pretty image on a on a computer screen Right. There are days though where like I do that too much that I'm like, man, like what happens if there's like a solar flare and then all computers on the planet are wiped out? Then like 
where did all that art go? Yeah. And like, maybe I should have just been making things on paper that can actually stand the test of time. And then it's, you start getting into like these thought spirals where you're like, what is the point of digital art? And, but it's where the satisfaction resides for me right now um, is like making indie little indie games that probably never see the light of day. Cause they're just like little experiments. And um, I, I think I'm mostly just getting that, the day-to-day -day satisfaction, like just with my day job, actually, just like drawing and doing whatever I do at work is like satisfying enough that I can actually just sort of check out at night for once. Or I'm still yeah. trying to train myself to do it, to be honest. It's hard to turn off the creative brain sometimes. Yeah, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. You know, like I was maybe not a freelancer in the exact same way as you, but still like self-employed through like the studio's retail space and i never never saw myself just enjoying like a, a real job and then the the joy of like the day ending and then just kind of like relaxing but i it's it's pretty new for me but i know exactly what you mean I, yeah i like it a lot yeah yeah it's nice to be able to just like chill at night something yeah. that it feels honestly like <laughs> new to me but i really like it um i wanted to ask you where was your studio when did you, when was that open in town was that after i moved to toronto yeah it, it was uh, i think july 2015 uh, okay until yeah. july 22 like it was almost seven years like to the day okay and it was right across the street from Latitude 53, like right, right kind of right off downtown. Casper. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. In the, the, the ice district, I guess. Yeah. The original ice district, man. <laughs> what, uh, you know, I, it's funny. I've like talked to a few people about this and it's always funny to hear people's opinions on it, but I feel you will have the most accurate opinion of it. What do you think about like AI generated art? Oh God, here we go. Um, <clears throat> Like, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. Um, I think, well, like, I don't know. It all depends on how you use it. And the like when I was in grad school for computer science, I was really interested in uh, like human computer interaction, especially under the umbrella of how humans use computers to do creative things. So like I actually, my whole research was about like, how can we make more, more interesting drawing tools that give you like reference imagery when you're drawing in a certain area? Like I was like, the, where's that intersection of computer and artist? Like I like that. Um, and in that research, uh, like, you know, there's a lot of really like, interesting articles out there, but there's this really fun one by this uh, researcher named Aaron Hertzman. It's called the Can Computers Create Art? Um, and it's a, a really great essay that I think you don't need to have a comp sci degree to read it. It's just straight up good. And he talks about the things that, <clears throat> pardon me, um, that like art history always talks about where it's like, hey, you know, people when the camera was invented, people thought that was the end of painting. When the printing press was invented, people thought that was the end of like 
stories because stories should only be like word of mouth, like passed along that way. And yeah. it's like, you know, th this whole idea of like art disruption. So I think this whole like, man, remember like clone stamp in Photoshop when that first came out, like that was yeah. like outrageous. When Photoshop first came out, that was outrageous. Yeah. Um, this I think is a bit more intense than that because you're feeding this data system so much art uh, I mean, no, sorry, you're not feeding it. It's just out there fucking scouring everything, probably against a lot of people's will, yeah. um, which is like the real annoying shitty part. And once you have that tool in your hand where all you do is type in a few words to give it a prompt and then you spit out an image, anyone who doesn't have like a good uh, art background or art awareness will just abuse it in the wrong way. Like I'm already seeing all sorts of blogs and articles and um, even like, emails from mailing lists that have like mid journey images in them. And like, to me, I could just spot the image a mile away. Like it's the same way that we can see like a really shitty JPEG compression image. You're like, Oh, that's like a crappy JPEG that's been, you know, saved on the lowest setting, like 20 times in a row. Yeah. This AI stuff, I think will be able to easily identify and see it in like, once we all get like used to what it is, uh, like like this mid-journey stuff, or at least that's what I, I thought would happen. But those like AIs are getting better and better at making interesting images that seem less, I don't know what the word is, like noisy. Like mid-journey, when I say mid-journey, do you know what I mean? Like have yeah, you used yeah. mid-journey? Okay. Uh, like mid-journey is always adding like seven, like it hasn't figured out hands. Like mid-journey is like seven fingers or like all eyes have like two irises. Like there's like dumb shit. But when you like blur your eyes and look at the picture, you're like, oh, that's a really nice painting. But if you look at the details, it's like fucked up still. Um, so I know a lot of game studios are using it. Um, and like I've dabbled with it too. And I'm okay with it, but I use it in a very particular way when I have used it. Like one, I'm not like trying to enter a prompt that's like, you know, a living artist that I know. Like, I think that's like, no one should do that. Like, just yeah. go fucking ask that living artist to make you a sweet drawing instead. Like, go do that. Like, don't try to to do that. So, it, you know, some of these models have been trained on some really good, like, art history stuff that's obviously public domain. So you could, like, it, it's really fun to make images with that and then use that as, like, collage material to, like, sort of quickly kit bash something and then paint over it. Like, I in no way would ever take the raw output and like say, hey, I did it. I made art. All I did was like enter a sentence and hit enter on my keyboard. Like that to me is where it sucks because a lot of people will use it that way. Uh, but for me, it's like I, I view it more like uh, collage, like taking a pile of magazines and cutting out bits that you like and making it a new thing. Um, so that's kind of how I like it. But it's like, I don't know, it's all so new and like, it's going to be like stupidly good. It, it's exponential. Like it's just getting better and better every few months at churning out images that I think will be harder to tell that they were actually made by an AI. They'll, it, it'll just be like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. What do you think about it? I don't really like, I don't know enough to have an opinion. I just know that a friend of mine who, uh, is kind of like a, a tech nerd, like in a, in a good way. He was showing it to me um, 
maybe not even a year ago, like, you know, maybe eight, 10 months ago before I'd ever heard of it. But he was showing it to me sort of in like a funny way. Like he was like, look, you can just you can say anything in the series and it'll just create that image. So I think we actually made like an image of a, a pangolin, which is like an, a weird animal, kind of like an armadillo. Yeah. Smoking a bong and cross country skiing because it was just the weirdest thing. I can think of to say, yeah. and it spit the image out in like three seconds. It, it yeah. was cool, but that like it was purely a joke, right? Like I, I haven't really even looked into like using it in a real way. Yeah, there's like I, it's funny that <clears throat> you like looked up a, uh, oh, whatever. You just like entered funny things. One of the first things I made was like a truck made out of cigarette butts. And it made a pretty sweet looking truck made out of cigarette butts, man. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Like, I mean, it, it started off as a joke too. And like, I think a lot of people still use it as like a joke. Um, if you go on the mid journey discord, yeah, they have like was, their daily theme and it's, it's pretty funny sometimes to be I honest. Was, I was just about to say the, like the most research I've done is looking at the mid journey discord and just seeing like the ridiculous, like, I think the one of the funnier ones I saw was like f- like fuzzy rabbit Hitler and like Donald Trump and like <laughs> Pitbull having a kid together and they were like pretty accurate for what was being asked of it but yeah it really nails the GoPro uh stuff where you're like uh jesus at the last dinner but like gopro footage <laughs> it's like it's really good or someone did like mr bean uh skydiving but taking a selfie with a gopro and it like looked amazing um anyway but i was like i don't know why like so cool you can make all these images neato now we're flooded with even more images in our world that's already full of so many fucking images like you're just diluting it like if anything i think what it's going to do is like people love their special bespoke things and it's if anything it's just gonna like i think raise the importance of the artists who just make a good watercolor on paper or a nice ink drawing or a nice painting or a print like the physical like material objects i think will just have a bit of, of a better appreciation maybe yeah, or not? That, Who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> that's a good, uh, like a positive, you know, like to see some positives coming from it. The a good take on it. I know. I I just I overheard some people. I forget where I was, but they were talking about uh, the fact that they were like, "Yeah, you could just, you know, say black and white photo of the high level bridge and then you have one but the, i was thinking like you could just go take a black and white photo of the high level bridge right that's like what I are mean, you <laughs> maybe i i mean not justifying it at all but say you were like black and white photo of the brooklyn bridge that might you know you can't easily go you i guess if you have the money, you can easily go to Brooklyn and take that photo. But to use it to, for a photo of a bridge that is in the middle of our city, like yeah, 
<laughs> seems gonna I mean it's like it, how lazy are we? Yeah, it <laughs> right? seems lazy, but it also seems like why like wouldn't you want to take that? Like if I wanted to take a photo of something, I would like feel a sense of pride and like you know, like doing it would be part of the, the cool factor. Yeah. Cause you could Google a photo of almost anything as well, but you didn't take that photo. So it's not really like a, a self accomplishment. Right. And these people were talking about it. Like you could say black and white photo of the high level bridge and then post it on your own Instagram, which was like maybe what? one of the dumbest things I've ever overheard. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> and I agree. Like, I don't know to me like every like the fun part about making any art regardless of what the medium is be it a photograph or a drawing or writing a thing it's like the the process of it right like when you're drawing you're like you're trying to solve you know you're trying to get your idea onto paper it's a bit of a challenge and like when you pull it off it feels so great and when you're you know if you're like going into a dark room to develop some photos, like there's that process. Hell, even if you're just like taking a digital photo, like you're still having to like compose the shot with your eye in the moment to capture the right, like X and Y, whatever, like that's, that's the fucking payoff. Like you, you solved the the problem to make the art. And now it's like, if you're not doing that, like, you know, the whole idea that art should always be about like, what did I hear? I forget. I don't even know if I'm quoting anyone or making something up, but it's like, like good art is like channels, like the human experience, right? That's what, that's what art is. And it's like, even taking a photo with a, like your iPhone as easy as it is still requires your human experience to like pull that thing off and make it work. Yeah. And if you're, if you're like removing that part, it's just like the image doesn't mean shit. I'm sorry, but it's like, wow, it can be aesthetically pleasing, but it doesn't mean shit though anymore. Like, and like aesthetically pleasing, like, I mean, that's another conversation in itself. Like art doesn't have to be aesthetically pleasing, but like, to me, like art is about like a human conveying their experience in some way. Like, and you can't remove that. Well, I mean, but Midjourney can. <laughs> yeah, I maybe it's just me, like the way I work too. But it's like maybe I'm too cynical. But I've heard the argument that you know, like now with AI, you could just generate like a a Banksy and put it in your house. But that's not actually a Banksy. Right? Yeah, like yeah. I mean, not that I. I mean, maybe for the financial gain, I would like to own a Banksy. I don't really care about Banksy. But say any artist, like, if it's not an actual, like, print from that artist, why would you want to pretend like it is, right? I know. So it, I... It just, like, it, the whole thing feels weird. I just know, like, thinking about you talking about computers and stuff made me like I, I've asked people who have really no, no, like not that they have no business, but it's like, you know, their take on AI art is just funny because they've probably heard people talk about Mid Journey or like Chat GPT, but I feel you actually 
No, like you have a frame of reference when you're answering, so. Hang on, is is the sound the is it cutting like, out on your stuff. end? Like I do remember. Uh, no, is it cutting out for me or for you? I mean, yeah, I, not sound not, great. not now, but it it was being spotty, and then like you keep freezing. And now I can hear. Oh no! You want me to turn my video off? No, wait. Now, I'm not making. Here, I'm gonna turn my video off for a second. Get yeah, no, it it sounds sounds good now. Yeah. Um. Hey, this happened in Matt's episode too. This is like the great point in your podcast where you like throw a commercial in or something. Yeah, I uh, I need to to get get more commercials. I guess I have this really funny idea that I I'm not gonna go through it because I'll just get in trouble. But I thought, has anyone ever just put fake ads in their podcasts? Like not fake ads, but what if I just like didn't ad read like for? nike or something and then everyone would think like well this podcast is going well like he's getting ad reads from nike do it man and then like throw it down down as as far as i know no one high up at nike listens to this podcast so i don't know if they would ever find out yeah i mean I've, i've definitely heard a few podcasts where they like make up ads but they're like totally fictional companies but that's a good idea too but i'm i'm more thinking like just to seem important or maybe (laughs) my idea was like to start doing these ad reads and then maybe if the company was to figure it out might be too late and they might be like well whatever like we might as well just pay him for these ad reads he's doing them anyway (laughs) <laughs> maybe nike is a bold start but yeah maybe. start a bit lower like um like louis vuitton or something like that well i was thinking like bag mattresses or you know it's a, <laughs> yeah. like everyone has an ad read for uh helix or like sleep country or whatever yeah that, or uh, fresh easy. books yeah yeah fresh books hello fresh yeah, mailchimp we could just start listing off some like sweet companies pro bono. And then uh you know, yeah, like maybe they'll they'll catch wind of it and that'll be my my big break. <laughs> yeah, you'll get sued by uh like ten companies. That's your <laughs> your big uh, break. <laughs> I never even thought about that. That's funny. Cause uh, I mean, in in this content-driven world, any publicity is like sort of good publicity. That's so right. In a lot of designers these days, kind of make it big when they get sued by bigger companies. So mm-hmm. yeah, this this could be something I should look into. <laughs> it's funny that you reference because I was also gonna ask if you you were kind of like waiting for the day when you could just like put in like Josh Holinetti or into like uh one of these AI generators and they could just crank out like an image that would take you 
however long it takes you, but they could just, you know, anyone Do had it. access to your your work. What do, actually? What's your opinion? Do you think it'll once that type of stuff becomes more prevalent, will it affect? Like, will artists like you still have jobs doing what you do if they can just get the same or comparable output, like, for way cheaper through one of these generators? Or will people always want to go with the real thing? Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a good question. I think it it all depends on, like, the art director of whatever the project is, who's hiring artists. And I mean, you know, there's always a factor too of like, what is their budget? And the world is not getting cheaper to live in. So our illustrators still need a wage and um, it's probably cheaper to just pay a, you know, monthly subscription to mid journey to get your images done that way. But I think anyone who just appreciates good art will still go to an artist. I think artists will probably use it. Um, like I've used it also for just like I like general ideation. You know, like I think it's it's pretty easy to get caught up in your own gimmicks and ideas, and I don't know, coming up with coming up with new ideas is sometimes just straight up difficult when you're trying to make an illustration. So why not feed a little? you know, a prompt into a generator and see what it spits out and, you know, don't use the raw output, but just use that as like fresh inspiration to go, Oh, Hey, that's a cool composition. I never thought of. Like, I think using it in that way is totally legit and fine. It's the same way as like, you know, just using Google image search to like find a reference, like the amount of times where I Google, like, uh, like person sitting side view, uh, whatever, like, I just need reference to see what a, what a person looks like. Right. Like, like to me, it's, it's not too different from that. It's just that the level of polish is like at this point in those generators where, you know, to the untrained eye, it just comes across as like final, beautiful art to some people. And that, that's kind of the scary part. Um, and like, like programmers at work are, or they're not using it per se, but like, you know, there's there's like a website called hacker news that i go to a lot it's like reddit it's not just for hackers it, it has like don't let don't let the name deceive you but they uh there are a lot of programmers there but you know there's a lot of like software companies that are using chat gpt to like get to help them write code you know like it's and then there's like you know marketing agencies that are using it to help write copy and like come up with like just filler content i don't know it's the new the new reality unfortunately i think it's probably going to be a bigger disruptor than like you know the camera was when it first came out but will it take our jobs i don't know i feel like in the current state like it's just going to be one of those things where it creates new jobs like like when the factory machines were invented factory workers thought they were out of the job but really that just created new jobs it's people who have to take care of the machines at the factory and have to run the machines and i think we'll still need that um like people like you using an ai won't be like you won't just turn on a computer and let the ai do its work you'll still need someone there yeah to, to tell the ai what to do um which is so weird to think about and it's so weird to think about 
I I like your positive approach though that like it'll kind of drive up the value of original artwork. I hope so it does. I'm, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna choose to kind of invest all my belief in that. And and that's a great sentiment. So yeah. I'm a pretty bad optimist though. So I, No, that, that's good. I just hadn't really even like thought of that. But like what what you're saying I've heard about all you know, like people thought cameras were gonna ruin paintings and all that. Mm-hmm. And then everything kind of persevered. And uh, and even like maybe also back then I had the value of certain things increased because of this new like technology. So Yeah. Well, like when the camera was invented what happened in painting was like you had like the birth of abstraction right because people were like well fuck if this thing can make reality look perfect let's get into like really abstract art and like really flip it all on its head and at the same time it also like people embraced the camera to make super realistic paintings too like hyper realism so uh, you know it's only really been like not even a year since like mid journey was even a thing like publicly so who knows what you know, the landscape of art will be in a few years. Um, like it will create new types of art for sure. I don't think it's like uh, the Pandora's box and all artists will instantly die or anything, but yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm lucky I, that I can still work as an artist and I'm always grateful. And you know what? Even I'll be drawing until the day I die, regardless of if my job gets, you know, taken by an AI, I'll still be drawing. I uh, I I just empathize with you so much because I feel I hear about this a lot and I have no real ties to it. So you being in the in an in industry that would discuss this way more frequently, you must hear about it constantly. Like, yeah, well, I, I mean, like at our studio, we do use it, um, and our like art director is like all forward we're, we're quite supportive of it because we we view it as a tool in the toolkit we don't view it as the the artist in the room but you know if it can help us come up with new ideas that we never thought about there's nothing wrong with that and um but yeah you know it's just it it's, for me it all it all comes down to like what happens when the un art edu- <laughs> when the uneducated art folk use it um because then you're just going to see them just like, I don't know. Like, I, I remember seeing, like, some Alex Jones illustration on, fuck. Like, a surprisingly prominent publication. It wasn't Forbes or something, or was it was it Forbes? Who knows? But, like, one of those big publications in the States. And, like, yeah, their web, on their, like, web article that just had this, like, really shitty AI photo of Alex Jones. And it was credited mid-journey. And I was like, fuck, you guys have so much money. Like, just hire an illustrator to make a portrait of, you know, something that actually looks like Alex Jones, not this, like, weird fever dream that a computer came up with. (laughs) Like, it's really frustrating when you know that it's someone with a buttload of money using AI instead of, like, you know, hiring an artist. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, someone just making even more money off like they're pocketing more money because they're going like the easy route and not really supporting 
artists like that you know instead of paying an artist to do this for them they just pocket the money to pump it out through yeah. me journey yeah so is your uh i mean i don't know if you want to talk about your real job but is your your job local or do you work remotely for a company that's based elsewhere i am working in town um it's a studio called inflection games uh they're like right on 104 street right off of jasper um there's about a hundred of us there it's a surprisingly big video game studio um that is the it lot... the one that was bought by EA? That's Bioware that you're thinking about. And but there's quite a few people there that have histories at Bioware. Um like a I don't know, 20 like a quarter of the people there are probably Bioware veterans. Um but no we uh we've gone we're our own independent studio working on a project. This will be the first game that the studio has published. It's called Nightingale. Um, and that is slated to be released in June of this year. Um, and yeah, no, it, it's great. I am technically a UI artist there. So I work on like the menus in the game, um, working on like, uh, the UX side of things, like coming up with like wireframes and flows for how to, you know, make it usable for the player and as well, as well as like just making art for the uh interface as well so very satisfying in the sense that i get to like dabble my dabble in a few different pots but um but yeah it's here in town edmonton's actually got this like pretty cool video game scene that's like i don't know i think it's bigger than people think it is because you have bioware there's us you have beamdog um epic has a little office here epic being like the people that make fortnite um, they really? have a small little, yeah, they have a it's only like, so it's more of like the engine that Fortnite is used the, or the, yeah, the engine that Fortnite is made in that's owned by Epic, which is the same people that made Fortnite. But so like they have, it's more like they're not making games. They're working on the game engine here. It's just like a small little group of um, artists or developers who work there, but what else? There's this other one called Beamdog. There's another one called The Humanoid. Um, I think a lot of these studios are sort of like the byproduct of having Bioware because Bioware has been such a large presence in the city for so long that like, you know, hundreds of people have worked there. And then, you know, some of them have moved on and started their own little studios. And so you're slowly getting this like bubble of game development happening here in Edmonton, which is pretty cool. Like, a bit of a a bit of a tech industry here that I don't think a lot of people think about when they think of Edmonton. I as I talk to like more diverse people on here, it like maybe I'm a bit biased because I actually like Edmonton, always have, but we seem to have a pretty advanced scene in so many important yeah. subcultures, and I feel like no one is ever going to like give us credit for any of these things. Like, you know, people out of the city, even I like didn't really know we were so advanced in like games and stuff. So I wondered like, at what point are people going to start seeing us as like a, a city that exports all these important things? 
Yeah. Yeah. When, yeah. When will they realize like it's, we don't just export Wayne Gretzky's greatness. Yeah. Did you, you move back home for the job or did you find this job after you moved home? Uh, the plan to move actually happened when Genevieve got a job. Um, she also works on the same street downtown. Um, and so she got a job and then we decided to move. And then as we were, you know, packing up and stuff, I got an interview at inflection Games. So it kind of just worked out like, like amazingly well where I moved back and there was a job waiting for me, which was not the original plan. The plan was like, Hey, we'll just go to Edmonton. I'll figure something out for sure. But no, it worked out just great somehow. <laughs> Do you, you play a lot of games like in your downtown? I'm pretty dorky. Yeah. I'm, I like games. They're a, a fun art form. Um, I like them. Like my brother and I will play quite a bit online. Like, cause he lives in Calgary. So it's like a nice, like way to just like catch up, you know, because we basically just hang out on voice chat and just like play a game for an hour or two. Um, but especially now that I work at a game studio, there, there's like a new heightened awareness of what games are. And it's kind of like, I almost feel like I got to do my due diligence and see what's out there all the time to like keep on top of the trends and, and stuff like to see how, I don't know, just because I'm making a game, I don't want to like, I, you want to make sure that you're, yeah, of I don't course. Know, following the trends or or like not missing a beat. Like maybe there's someone that like figured out the best way to make a menu in this style work. And so you're like, oh, hey, we should play that game that did that because, you know, it's just straight up educational for me <laughs> to do it. And oh, hey, it also turns out the game is fun. So it's a bit of a win-win sometimes. So like on that note, is it harder for you to enjoy games because like you're kind of analyzing them as a professional or <laughs> right? It's you, like you just play for fun. Yeah, it's going to be like how I was describing earlier that like, you know, illustration became work and then I hated it. Um, not yet. I still love, like games, um, but there for sure are days where like, playing a game gives me a little feeling of like like PTSD where I'm like, oh God, this is reminding me of work. Um, but no, for the most part, it's like, honestly, I've been playing them since I was a, like a, like a real young, real young kid. So it's part of, it's mostly ingrained in me. I really like this stuff. It actually feels like a, a dream job, to be honest. Like it, it's really, really, really satisfying for me. I feel very lucky to be there. So um, yeah. And it, it sounds like the epitome of a dream job. You know, like most kids play video games, especially like people our age resonate a lot with games growing up. And then to like fast forward to being an adult, you creating the games. like mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so cool. Like a full circle. Yeah. And it's like, so I have like nieces and nephews who are obviously you know they love their nintendo switch and stuff like that but now that like you know uncle josh works in video games like i think it makes them view video games a bit more critically by default they're like oh yeah like an artist actually drew all this stuff in this game or oh someone actually had to program this and like they're kind of like aware that it's not just this medium that they can just ingest and have fun with but like hey that's cool people make this stuff actually and i think that that in itself is a nice thing. And hopefully we'll see more of that as, you know, it's just, it's such a popular uh, media format. Um, like games, 
globally make way more money than Hollywood, like the film industry does nowadays. So, and we view movies as art, I think. Um, and I think maybe in the next few decades, we'll view games more critically as art as well. When you want to talk about creating jobs, like now there are people who get paid them like more than movie stars just to play games. Like people want to watch <laughs> yeah. other people play video games. Yeah. Which I'm I'm all for, but the thought of that is insane. Like I mean, I, totally I guess agree. that would yeah. be like you having a dream job of being able to build games growing up playing them. Being able to be a millionaire off Twitch probably has downfalls, but pretty cool too like it's something i would have never even ever anticipated being real oh i totally and i i feel the exact same way like truthfully like i don't get it like i've never had any desire to like watch someone play a video game over a live stream like i'd much rather just like sit on a couch beside a friend who's playing a game you know, like that is my idea of like live streaming. Uh, the fact that that's like, like an industry where people make like bajillion dollars, like that's insane to me. I do not get it. But again, like going back to the AI thing, right? Like new technology brings out new weird opportunities that you don't think of. And yeah. like, what will this AI art stuff do? Like if just having high speed internet and like a webcam has made this thing called like video game streaming, <laughs> like who knows what lurks? Well, I, I'll tie it back to like how I was saying I overheard those kids saying you could just generate a photo of the bridge and then why not just go take it? I don't understand why people watch someone play a video game. Why don't they just play the video game? Right? Totally. The only reason is like maybe they don't have enough money to buy that game or they don't have the console for it or, you know, like the obvious stuff like that, but for me, the whole thing that it makes video games fun is that, like, I'm in control of the game character. Like, right. that's the whole, it's like an interactive movie, right? Yeah. And uh, even though sometimes there's, like, zero plot to it. Uh, but, like, that's the real enticing thing is, like, it's a cool thing that is interactive. And, like, streaming, to me, just turns it back into, like, this really passive medium. And I'm just like, that's not fun. Like, I don't. I don't care about like just re dropping a react in a discord, you know? Yeah. For, like when I was a kid, you know, I wanted to read my own choose your own adventure. Books. Hell yeah. I, would, I wouldn't have Love watched that. someone else choose the adventure. Like that right. takes all the fun out of it. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good analogy. Although there, there probably is like Twitch streams of, and to be honest, now that I'm saying it, I probably would watch a stream of someone reading and choose your own adventure and if that doesn't <laughs> exist maybe i should become the first yeah twitch streamer to read choose your own adventure <laughs> are they still Could making be... those they I, uh, I have no idea how i even like came up with that analogy i haven't thought of choose your own adventure books since elementary school yeah <laughs> same here uh, wh what else do you, like you were talking about relaxing after your your real job? What else do you do to relax besides game? Uh, to relax. Well, Genevieve and I adopted a dog last summer, and right. that uh, is mostly relaxing. 
Um, so it's nice to go for walks with her and do stuff like, you know, watch her run in a field. I just like that a lot. Um, What's her name? Birdie. Birdie the dog, like a bird. Um, right. Yeah, she's very sweet. Um, yeah, I don't know. We like, we're actually pretty chill. Like, I'm not at, like, I, maybe it's the pandemic, but like, I don't go out as much um, as like I did in my like 20s. That's for sure. Um, but to, to relax and unwind, I don't know. Am I boring? I'm starting to realize I don't do enough to relax and unwind. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just keep to myself. I like being lazy on the weekend. Like that's, I just like being a vegetable. Yeah. You know what? I was actually just talking to my, I guess, boss colleague, like a friend of mine who I kind of answered to at work. I was saying I've been trying to condition myself to like record and edit these podcasts like during Monday to Thursday. Yeah. So that like my weekend Friday night until Sunday night. I mean, I I have other responsibilities, not that many, but I have things I need to do. But the the actual like not that recording one podcast was stressful, but to have that done during like before Friday so that when I'm off I could just do nothing for two yeah. days if I have to that is so much more relaxing for me like I just started I used to always like I always have a few backstocked episodes but I would always edit them Saturday have yeah. them up Sunday like drafted but now I'm trying to like condition myself to edit them even like on my lunch break, like half an hour every day for Monday to Thursday, I can get it done and then just like fully relax on the weekend. And yeah. I'm exactly like you. I I barely would even have an answer to how I relax. I just like to do nothing, you know, it's yeah. just like if I want to listen to a certain thing, do it. If I want to watch a good documentary and learn i can if i want to watch the bachelor i can do it yeah yeah like i love like you know like you said like the weekend there's like you know the the regular duties one must do like you know got to do a bit of laundry maybe maybe clean up the house a bit uh but besides that like yeah i just love like waking up having a coffee and just like i don't know mindlessly surfing the web for a bit <laughs> probably end up like smoking some weed and just like chilling out and then you know maybe at some point you know might go with Genevieve to a brewery for like an afternoon beer like literally just try to do not too much work related and just take care of me yeah so just smoking weed and drinking probably isn't the healthiest thing you can do to take care of yourself but these are the things that we like yeah of course um I don't need like an address reveal or anything, but you you were talking about buying a house in Toronto being impossible. Does that mean you guys bought a place when you moved back? We did, yeah, we did. We actually uh got we we bought it when we were still in Toronto. We <laughs> we got a Zoom walkthrough of our 
of this place, which is hilarious. Uh, which is like an insane memory, you know? It's like a time <laughs> so ridiculous of that that era that you yeah. won't forget. Really, no, it's so weird. But no, it's a it's a good house. Like you know, Genevieve has a good like sixth sense for like house things, and uh, when she saw this this place listed, uh, she's like, "That's the one right there." Um, and it looked very dumpy. Uh, it's basically, it was basically an estate sale. So, but it, it just like, was like from I an era that... where they were really well built. And then we're like, that's, that's the one. And it's like a quarter of the price compared to Toronto real estate. So let's go for it. And I always like, you know, I have friends who have bought places as well. And everyone kind of, there's the debate if there's like too much to fix up and all that. Mm. But I feel like getting a house like kind of an estate sale, like you're talking about, leaves way more room to like personalize it and like totally. make make it your own thing. So I thought getting a house a bit cheaper and then being able to make it how the owner wants, I feel is is way better than just buying a house as is and then living. Deal. Yeah, like a lot of people get so. Uh, like they buy a house and then they're like, we have to do all the things to it now. And then like the next year is just chaos. And then, you know, they spend all their money. But like our plan isn't to flip this house. Our plan is to live in this house. Yeah. It's our forever home. I, ideally, I will die in this house. Well, not in it, but whatever. You know what I mean? Um, And so, yeah, there's like no rush for us to do the work that needs to be done. But it's like a solid house. Not too much work has been done on it in the past so it's still got it's like good solid bones and and they're like the real sweet thing here is that genevieve is an architect so uh she has really great ideas and like i don't know it, it's it's a fun project that will probably keep us busy for the foreseeable future yeah Do you own a place no but it's it's on my i mean right now i'm still in the process of like getting out of debt from running a studio forever but um, okay i'm close like with within the next few months i'll probably be out of debt which is actually kind of insane like considering how how ridiculous it had gone and then after buying a place is kind of like top priority for me but you guys must have like I mean, you bought a house at the perfect time, right? Because they were like a lot cheaper, but they're not anymore, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. Like, I, I'm i not, I don't pay too much attention to like the Edmonton real estate scene, but I think like the real thing right now is that interest rates are going up as we've like heard about all this inflation stuff. So that's what makes things expensive. So yeah, that's the real big catch. But <clears throat> no, I think we like, it's kind of weird, like, when we got the house we were kind of like wait how the fuck did we do this like we're two broke student artists like you know did we somehow actually manage to save a little bit of money to get like a bare minimum down payment like it's it's kind of crazy um and i think like edmonton is actually a pretty good city where houses are still kind of cheap and i feel like they're going to probably even get cheaper in the foreseeable future i'm no economist but it's like the housing market isn't on fire anymore and i think because of that people want to sell their house while they can make a buck 
And that's not going to work out for a lot of people who are out to flip a house, I think. So houses, house prices will just probably keep dropping for a bit. So Wes, your time is right. It's coming up. That's good. <laughs> that, yeah, that's from, you know, like that. And then the fact that no matter how, how much inflation goes up, it's still cheaper than Vancouver, Toronto. Totally. Big you know, time. Like houses could like triple here and they would still be cheaper. Like totally. I, I hope totally. they don't triple, but Yeah. And the and just like you will also get like a, a house that's like three times the size <laughs> yeah. compared to whatever you would get in either either of those big cities. Um yeah. But um yeah, dude, on the topic of debt stuff too, like I, I was there with like student debt stuff. Um you know, it's it feels so good to to knock that stuff off if you can do it and like if you're so close that's just like dude it's a great feeling i'm looking forward to uh to feeling your good vibes when you're like when you have all that stuff cleared off it's great yeah no i'm i'm like pretty much like i give like honestly probably like 80 percent of what i make just to like chip away at these debts but shit my plan like i actually i don't really i mean it would drive me insane if it was for the rest of my life but just knowing that it's only until like maybe september yeah like i i turn my birthdays at the end of september and uh, it's not a monument you know if it was 40 maybe it would matter more i turned 39 but my goal is to not be in debt when i'm 39 and then be in a way better spot when i'm 40 and i think i'm on track for that it just i mean yeah i barely think thankfully like weed is super cheap right now the only only sponsor i have for the pod is town square so i get paid in beers so i don't have to like spend that much on on those two hobbies (laughs) i just kind of like propagate plants clean up (laughs) my house like try to not spend money and then yeah once i'm out then i can start wasting money on dumb things again well it's so funny because i was like i'm yeah i paid off my student loan yay and then it's like you just turn around and you're like i guess i'll buy a house and then you're like oh this is like even crazier debt but it doesn't feel as much of a burden in a weird way i don't know it's it's for me it's it's weird but i feel like it it will never really end you know, like I'm the same way. Like if I think I have some money, something what you know, like maybe Sarah and I will have a bit of money, but then the car breaks down, and you gotta fix that because you need totally need a totally. vehicle to live. But yeah, at least like a house is, as you were saying, it's like your own. Like it's a it's a place to like live, and the same thing like Sarah and I. When do you buy a house? It'll probably be our house forever yeah yeah and and i feel that maybe not how it should be of course like people aren't wrong for wanting to upgrade or downgrade whatever but i think sarah and i both feel like when you have a place then you just make it your own totally totally man yeah 
No, it feels nice to have a, a a sense of home. It was weird moving to Toronto. It took like two years there before we felt like we were at home whenever we would say like, return to Alberta for like the holidays to see family and then go back to Toronto. Yeah. <clears throat> it was like two years before we would like fly back to Toronto and be like, Hey, we're back home in our apartment. And then honestly, it took like another year when we moved back to Edmonton to sort of feel that same thing again, that like, we know this is our home. We're not going anywhere, but it doesn't feel like home yet. Um, it's very will... nice that day when you're like, it clicks and you're like, Hey, this is my home now. It's super yeah. cozy I mean, feeling. That resonates with me so much because Sarah and I, we've uh, been in the place we're at now for, I think, six, maybe even seven years. But we, like, until recently, would always refer to it as, like, our new apartment. We'd, like, <laughs> tell our friends, like, yeah, like, our new place in Grandin. But they'd be, like, our friends would say, like, didn't you guys move in in, like, 2016? You're like, oh, shit. <laughs> but now, yeah, now it, it feels... And I mean, we've both. Well, I'm I'm from just outside Toronto, but I've been here. For oh, are you? I didn't know that. Just I'm from Kitchener, but okay. I've I've lived here since I was twelve. Okay. So, well, I guess technically I'm I'm from there, but I did any of my like growing up here. You know, like I I had my first beer here and like first girlfriend here and all the like all the monumental stuff was here so i'm yeah i'm also an alberta boy but yeah technically kitchener but uh, i won't tell anyone yeah no i <laughs> prefer no one new kitchener. uh do you know do you know toronto pretty well then no not not as well as i would like to like we have actually only been a few times and then uh, as i got older you know like i without covid we probably would have been more like you know sarah and i both our interests developed and in traveling going to toronto is barely traveling but it's probably something we would have done more if we were able to yeah but it's I've always had a lot of fun when I go, but I also don't have to like worry about working there or paying rent or any of the like things I hear a lot of my like friends kind of like maybe not complaining but like voicing their opinions on. Yeah, I just yeah. get to go there for five days and then leave. So yeah, yeah, no, it's great. I really once we got like you know settled there it, it was a great city for sure um do you miss miss anything specific about it oh man i lived on the rail pass so there's like this train line that opened that would bring you from like the the pearson airport right to like downtown and uh there's like two stops on that train line um and we lived right on right beside one of them and it was just like this lovely like two and a half kilometer stretch um, of just like pathway that was right beside a rail line. And uh, I got really into running in Toronto. So I'd run that path all the time. I'd see like really sweet, like graffiti because it was like right on the train, like tunnels and stuff like that were there. Um, and then there was like a really good brewery that I would go to. And then 
there was like uh we our dog that we had in toronto i'd like walk him like every day to the brewery on that path and so anyway there's like this what this west rail path is what it was called that i just like i do miss we think about toronto every day like it's it's an amazing city um and uh there were a couple times where we were watching who knows what on tv and there would be like a because we're in canada you're gonna see a some you know quick b-roll shot of something in toronto yeah but now every time we see that we like we're like oh shit it's that spot but one of one of those times it was like the the rail path and it just like broke my heart i was like oh i miss it oh so sweet but what what brewery was it uh henderson's henderson's brewery um uh, i just know bellwoods bellwoods is good yeah they're good that stuff i don't know what it is but you give me one pint of bellwoods and i will be hungover. <laughs> oh but the, i was uh, gonna say uh, last time i i was there like i did not have that many beers but then like i was absolutely destroyed yeah, it's something about those beers are like stinky and go straight to your head. Uh, Henderson's is nice because they're like classic, like, you know, red ale or a pilsner. And they, yeah. they just do them good. And they're like old reliable is what I would call them. But they're really, really good beers. Um, yeah, Bellwoods, what? though. Whenever... Bellwoods has some great posters, too. Yeah, no, it's it's cool sport. I think whenever Sarah and I go, we, we stay at. I think this hotel is called the Gladstone. Yeah, yeah. Was that near where you guys were? I guess um, Toronto is huge, right? Yeah, no, it's huge. The Gladstone wasn't near us per se, because I think the Gladstone. Oh shit, I forget. It's kind of by the Drake. Yeah, know? I was gonna say, is that on like Queen Street? Uh I think so. Maybe. <laughs> also, like, I really lived in like a one kilometer radius. I like, uh, I would go out exploring sometimes, but really, it's like the city's so dense. I didn't need to go far. But uh, the Gladstone's cool because they do a lot of like art stuff there, too. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. So you were you were in your own fifteen minute city. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, <laughs> totally. There's the like, you know, the really good coffee shop nearby, the really good pizza joint, uh, breweries plenty, grocery stores. Like, it, it was awesome. The, that's the one thing I think I really miss compared to Edmonton. It's like how pedestrian that city is. Like, you can really, you don't need a vehicle there. Yeah. It's super easy to just like, you know, just wander blindly and just like find cool shit every day that you never knew existed. Yeah. Hopefully we will never fully catch up, but I don't know. It sounds like they're trying for, for more of that here. And I mean, obviously I'm joking. I think the idea of 15 minutes today is awesome. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why anyone has ever opposed to that, but yeah. yeah, whenever, like, especially, like, Toronto or somewhere, Sarah and I will stay somewhere, then everything we need to do is, like, right there. And here, it just, it doesn't work that way. Like, I have friends come into town, and they stay in one place, but then you got to, like, Uber if we want to eat somewhere yeah. else. <laughs> it all, it sounds like they're trying to make that better. So, hopefully, yeah. and, like, fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, when we moved back here, we did notice uh, so many more bike lanes 
in Edmonton, oh, which yeah, is pretty cool, yeah. which is really cool. Um, so, and Genevieve likes to get around like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I do feel like, you know, having not lived here for a few years and then coming back, like there, things are happening. I think things are happening. So, oh, for sure. I, I'm super optimistic about everything here, but you, you have the benefit. Like, I'm here. I never moved away. So I like see things change, but I'm immersed in it. So mm-hmm. I'm almost like desensitized to it, but I have friends yeah. that move away for you know five, ten years even and then come home and it's like a completely different city. So it's nice to hear like other people's opinions about that because then it lets me, you know, then I know like okay, things are actually yeah, it's, like drastically it's not just in my head. changing. <laughs> We're just I'm in it every day so it changes a tiny bit for me but yeah no i, like I guess here. even around like it sounds like where you're saying genevieve works the bike lanes that's like the heart of it all because around the studio as well there was so many and the, at first i i never hated them at all i just thought like no one's using these yeah, but yeah. year after year more and more people use them so i i think yeah like change rome wasn't built in our that's day. right we're building rome neither was our bike yeah. lane infrastructure <laughs> and well, you know it's like it's totally a generational thing too right like oh of course yeah, the, yeah. those uh those boomer folk whom I love because my parents are two of them are like, you know, they like their vehicles. Yeah. Uh, these, these younger hip kids, they like to bike too. And uh, you know, you're whatever it'll, it's we'll, we'll find a balance. <laughs> I, I was just talking about that the other day. Like you haven't really blamed these, these boomers like who see it one way. It's like they, they were conditioned to totally. drive everywhere and they had no other options, right? So for, it's like it's way different than how they've been living for the past like 50 years. So you can't really blame them when they're like kind of against it. But yeah. at the same time, it's like, okay, like you don't get it. Just let the kids take Like it. there's other generations <laughs> below you now, like multiple generations of humans below you. Like, yeah. Oh, boomers. Oh, hey, before we part ways, though, I do have to show you one cool thing. I'm going to turn my camera on. Ready? Yeah. You still have that hat? Yeah, man. Do you remember mailing this to me? You sent me like a care package in Toronto. What year would that have been? Oh, man, that would have been like, it must have been 2015-ish. Because, or I maybe mean, 2016, like, but yeah, you had just made some hats, and I messaged you. I was like, "Dude, I want." And then you sent me these or this hat, a white shirt that said "Nowhere Fast" on it a few times, and some stickers. I don't have the white shirt anymore. I don't know where it went. I think I might have destroyed it with with sweat stains. Uh, but uh, anyway, love this hat. I mean, it's it's super cool that you still have it, and I don't. I don't hate that hat. I've just changed <laughs> changed my like entire aesthetic so much since then that whenever I even think about that hat, it's just like that that is so 
far from anything I would do now. <laughs> That's like actually kind of cooler in a way, like the the juxtapose of all of it or juxtapositioning of like it being so different. Like I've had friends see one at Valley Village or whatever, and they just like <laughs> don't believe that it it's actually a nowhere fast hack is like they've you know we've only been friends since i did things as small as possible like it's funny i think when i made that hat i asked them what like basically how big can i do a logo like <laughs> what what's the print area and you know if they were like Just like maximizing five it. <laughs> inches i was like all right five inches like do it as big and now i'll ask like what's what's the smallest the embroidery machine will like still show detail so i've completely like flipped but it, it is <laughs> i got a relic yeah that, like i don't have one of those i don't even i know some people do but no one like that I'm close with like no one in my family, not Sarah, no one has one. So I think I've worn it to work once or twice last uh in the last year. And people are just like, What? No where? Now here? What? Yeah. It's, anyway, it's a great shirt. It's a, a shirt. It's a great hat. It's a conversation starter. It and I mean the corduroy is cool. Like corduroy mm-hmm. is huge for hats right now, and that's like how it's I'm coming back full circle, thing. dude. In like a couple months or years, maybe you'll be like, you know what, we got to go back to like maximizing the size of the logo. Oh, it, it definitely will, for sure. Because like I mean, look at skinny jeans, and then right, you know, like the opposite of skinny jeans like everything even if you don't really if like you can't think of you know like me i'm like that i wouldn't really make anything with a logo that big but maybe fast forward in a couple years and i'll be back to ask like how how big can we do it like we need need everyone to know what this is from like blocks away yeah (laughs) It's Which sweet, I, I think was the idea, right? I was like, all hats. You can never tell what a hat is from far away. But now it's like, well, who needs to know what a hat is? Yeah, satellite can see this one. Yeah, dude, I dig it. That's cool. Well, it's cool that like it made it through the move. Yeah, oh, I would never get rid of this. And it actually just barely fits me. I have a pretty big head, but... um. I don't have the biggest hat collection, but something about this, just because I like, I don't know. It's like, I have a connection to nowhere fast. Like I get it. So I'm, I'll never throw it away. Well, then uh, not replace it, but supplement it. <laughs> or you know what we should do? Why don't we trade? Yeah. If you have a little piece of art that. Oh, I got, I can find something. A hat. Let's Maybe I'll make a, a drawing of this hat. Or you could uh I'll use mid journey. <laughs> you think that hat's on there yet? Or if oh. you do a drawing of that hat, we need to find a way to input that into mid journey. Stylize so later it. People can just be like nowhere fast hat, 
by Josh Holen at it. And, oh, um, and then we'll take that by. drawing, put it into Mid Journey, and ask for like the Banksy version of it. And then we're done. Yeah, no, actually, I feel the entire art world would be done at that. Like, there's no one else. <laughs> we would have that. figured out art. Wes and Josh figured out art. No more art needed, everyone. They did it. <laughs> art is solved. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I couldn't really think of a, a better note to end on. If uh, I mean, I have many more questions, and I feel we uh, burned through a lot of your time praising other artists, but I'll... Uh, Man, that's, like that's I was I saying to Matt, <laughs> I, uh, I I have a lot of guests to get through first, but once I start cycling through and having people back, if you'll come back, I'll uh, add you to the list of recurring guests and I can ask more questions. I'm sure AI art will have taken over our lives. It'll, it'll have killed me by then. Yeah. No, yeah. this was great, man. Thanks so much. I hope I wasn't too rambly. And no, no. Um, uh, you know who? Uh, this doesn't have to go on the recording. You can edit this part out if you want. But um, speaking to Clay Lowe, who you know, Clay, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I yeah. just only I know Clay uh, very. Well. You know, here because uh, he lives uh, like two blocks know, from me. Like, I yeah, the, this you should a, have him on here. This is a a funny funny fact to put on the pod i feel it's not that vulgar i lost my virginity on clay's couch (laughs) (laughs) there you go when when i was a young a young lad or not not that young but when i was younger and and doing graffiti and stuff him and all of his older friends kind of took me under their wing and when they were kind of the facilitating all of my bad choices at the time. So yeah, I've, I've known him forever. He's really he's okay. awesome. Yeah. He's great. Yeah. Cause I, well, worked with him at the AGA. That's how I first met him, but yeah, you know, and he lives like two blocks from me now, which is cool. And yeah, every now and then we'll go for a beer and just shoot the shit and yeah, your name comes up now and then. Yeah. Sarah and I bring that to him at sea change. Right. A few months ago. It was actually, I think, right around when the studio was was closing. Because he, like everyone, was, you know, tiptoeing around it and saying, they're so sorry to hear it. But, you know, then I was like, no, it, it's amazing. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm happy to, to end that chapter and excited to see what's next. And then once, once I was told him that then he's cooler but you know tiptoeing around the closing and everyone like thought i was gonna go insane without it but mm-hmm. i was gonna go insane keeping it so yeah man no you gotta do you but before you. uh you know i i probably won't edit any of that i just why not but uh before we actually go do you uh you want to let people know where they can find you online or your art? Or yeah, the the old go to is just holonetti.com, my last name dot com. I've had that website for oh my god, almost twenty years now. 
Uh, but yeah, that's where like it's mostly just like uh, my illustration stuff. So I don't know. Don't hire me because I'll probably say no. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, message me on Instagram because I'll probably neglect to reply. Uh, but email me uh, if you want. And also, I'm just kidding. Like, poke me if you want to say hi. I always like to say hi to people. But yeah, that, that's my main, the main way to get in touch with me. Um, do it up. Oh, I'll, uh, I'll make sure to, to link that so everyone knows where to find you. I'm sure people will be curious but yeah thank you again this is fun oh man it was great yeah great to catch up with you man nice to see you again yeah yeah and, now uh, that ever you know uh, covid will never end but now that it's slowly dying down and it's about to warm up hopefully i can run into you at a brewery or something hell yeah we should again. go for a beer yeah and relax together and yeah. do nothing Hell yeah. Awesome. You can meet the dog and we can drink beer and stare at the dog. Yeah, perfect. I Sarah and I have a dashing. I saw that little thing walking behind you at one point and I it looked super cute. Yeah, yeah. He's a lot smaller than than your girl, but I think he gets along with with big dogs. So yeah, well she my dog is like stupid reactive dog. She's we're working on it. I think when she's older, she'll be good with dogs, but oh, it breaks our heart. Because our last dog in Toronto was this little fucking tiny beagle who was just like the nicest guy ever. And we're like, oh, we'll get another dog. It's easy. And then we turned out, it turns out that this dog is like super leash reactive, but great with people though. So you got that. But oh, I don't want her to like grab your dog by the head and throw it around. Well, I mean, maybe. You never know though. <laughs> We'll we'll find out the hard way, I guess. Oh no, I hope not. <laughs> I'll uh, hopefully see you soon. Thank you. And, cool, man. Uh, Thanks, Wes. Yeah, enjoy the evening. Yeah, you too, man. Talk to you soon. See ya. Bye bye.